Good morning. Thanks for joining me on the Meg Ellison Show. I was just uh, show prepping during this last break. Every once in a while, I get a good kick out of the Babylon Bee satire alert. And this headline, New York prosecutes couple for fraud for listing their house for 499000 when it ultimately sold for 485000 Anybody out there ever buy a house before? And you're kind of on pins and needles, especially if you are taking out a loan and you are waiting to see what the appraisal comes out as. And it's not something that you can just arbitrarily say, oh, hey, I, you know, I'm going to pay whatever. Uh, this is the value of this house. You have to look and, and th- that's what comparables are. And there's work done in an appraiser actually determining the market value of a home. And you could also look at how Trump is being treated in New York. And I mean, that's kind of the point of this Babylon Bee article is that, or, you know, satire article is that these, uh, well, this is, of course, um, fictitious, but this couple that listed their house for more than they received at the time or more than they received when they sold it. I mean, that happens all the time. You know, I guess unless it's a different, I mean, like right now, I don't know if people are receiving over asking price for homes. I mean, I think sometimes that happens. I don't hear of it very often or they have multiple people bidding. But the idea that Trump is is, uh, somehow uh, lying about the value of his properties and supposedly lied to financial institutions in order to overinflate the price of his properties. You know, I came across this uh, clip of, uh, do you ever watch uh, Shark Tank and Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary? I really like him. Um, And uh, he is having a conversation with, uh, I don't know, what what did Rush used to call him, info babes uh, with CNN and... Uh, he, well, they're talking about this this uh, judgment against Trump in this civil fraud trial and the precedent it sets for anyone who owns any properties, n- not even just in New York, but all over the country. Here's Kevin O'Leary. I actually, Mr. Wonderful, I love his point. Here it is. Wouldn't there be many companies who would not want to do business or loan money to people like yourself or investors if they know that they can get away with fraud and there's no recourse to protect them? Excuse me, what fraud? I don't, I, this is not about Trump anymore. When you I know. get a developer, when you get a developer that builds a building and he says it's worth $400 million and he wants to borrow $200 million from a bank, which happens every day, everywhere on earth, including every American city, every developer is an entrepreneur. They shine the light on their building and they say it's worth 400. The bank does its own due diligence, as was done in this case, because they're very good at it. The banks are very good, and they say no, it's worth 300. We're only going to loan you 150 million. That haggling has gone on for decades. That's how it works. And then in this case, even the bank that was supposedly defrauded testified and said we didn't lose anything. We want to do business with this guy again. We'd like to, but the judge said no, 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 no. Let's penalize this developer for $355 million. And if we're going to do that, let's penalize all the developers all across America. They've all done the same thing. All of them 
should go to jail and we should stop building buildings. That's what the message is from New York. Even the governor herself is concerned about what this looks like to investors all around the world. It's not just U.S. domestic. All well, around the world, people are talking about what happened here. You really think people want to invest money in New York after this? How about we go well, somewhere I, I else? Think- okay, so we could, you know, this goes on for a little bit longer, but that was, again, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank, Kevin O'Leary, makes a great point. And, I mean, going back to my own experience or or our own experiences as homeowners, when you go to purchase a home and you wait to see what, you know, if you're taking out a mortgage, you wait to find out the value of the home and you hope that the appraisal comes out. Uh, Otherwise, if if you end up, the the uh, the price that you pay for the home, if it ends up being underappraised, well then you you obviously as the uh, the person borrowing the money or the person purchasing the home, you have to make up that difference. And I mean the the point is is that as Kevin O'Leary uh, uh, identified or as he articulated, is that this isn't this really doesn't have anything to do with some sort of wrongdoing on Trump's part as much as it has to do. I mean, what what is happening now is in addition to this witch hunt, this vilifying Trump, they're trying to bankrupt him and slapping all of these these uh, rulings or these these uh, huge million multi-million dollar uh, charges against him with regard to or these fraud charges against him it, it's just another way to try to take trump out and it's so frustrating that w- we see what's happening with trump you know in fact i believe i saw tulsi gabbard over the weekend and i don't know if i i sent myself this clip i know uh, byron donalds uh spoke at cpac too there was a really good clip of tulsi gabbard talking about how essentially Trump is standing in the gap really between us and those on the left that want to punish, really punish someone who has different political views or different political policies or principles than they do. And that's really ultimately what this is when they are going after Trump in, in every possible way that they can. And as Tulsi Gabbard said during the course of her remarks at CPAC is that she said there's there's no one else that would withstand what uh, Trump has gone through and the idea that that Trump doesn't have to do this i mean he doesn't have to continue he could just say you know what i'm i'm done i'm walking away i'm glad that he continues to push back and i'm glad that he continues to to fight back because they aren't going to give up and i mean this is really essentially what this does is it just it sends a it sends a strong message to anyone, any conservative that doesn't that doesn't follow the prescribed narrative of the left. That's what they are trying to they are trying to send a message to each and every one of us. You know, I got to find this article that I saw this morning um, on George Soros. I don't know if you've heard that Soros is trying to take over conservative radio. He's trying to take over different radio stations. I I no pun intended, heard about that. I think it's 
gosh, I think it might be WTMJ. And that may be, I don't know, was that what, I, sorry, can't remember because I didn't listen to it. I wasn't tuned in down there. I heard him from time to time, but Charlie Sykes, I think, used to be on WTMJ. I could be wrong, but whatever the station is down in uh, the southern part of the state, uh, evidently they're, they are now, uh, they have, uh, cons- or not conservative, ooh, actually uh, leftist radio uh, programs on TMJ, and I, I saw some buzz about it on social media. I mean, there were conservatives that were talking about it, but I mean, you know how successful the left was the last time they tried that. Remember that Air America <laughs> with Alec Baldwin? He's got bigger problems at this point, but it's interesting how we have uh, those that are, and, and Soros wants to silence conservative radio, and w- do you do you think? Are you concerned about this? Are you concerned that they will be successful at buying up radio stations? And, you know, I don't even know if, I mean, obviously it doesn't even matter if uh, uh, leftist radio is successful. If George Soros owns these radio stations, he will prevent conservative programming from being from airing on the radio. And that's, I mean, obviously a, a, a huge concern. And, you know, to think, though, that there are some that, and I don't, I don't, I try not to practice this on this show, but there are some in this country that spend an awful lot of time uh, criticizing Republicans as opposed to focusing on Democrats. And imagine if we have no more conservative talk radio because George Soros has taken over, then we we have effectively eliminated any voice on the radio of the right. 715-845-2155 if you'd like to join the conversation this morning. I'm going to go with this call. Good morning, you're on with Meg. Well, good morning, Meg. Tim from Lublin. Hi, Tim. How are you? Doing pretty good. I was listening to your monologue here just before I called in. Yes, it was uh, WTMJ in Milwaukee that Charlie Sykes' program was okay, on. I don't thank know why you. I used to live in Oshkosh, and I used to actually call in this program quite oh. a bit before he decided to become, well, Javis Stone from the Devil and Daniel Webster and sell his soul to the to to the Lincoln and Project. So. PMS, what is that? PMS, NBC, whatever Rush used to call it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, you know, I mean, the whole Bill Crystal, George Bush, the the moderate Republicans who who don't like Donald Trump because he's upsetting their apple cart there. But he, I used to, but that's who I used to call. <clears throat> I used to call in his program all the time. I enjoyed talking to him, and then. For some reason, he decided to go back being a Take a left turn. Yeah. In fact, one of the things, when he first came on the air there, he used to call himself a, quote, recovering liberal. When he Yeah, was, I remember that about him. I'd heard him speak. In fact, I went to a, he used to organize the, well, he helped organize, I, I think it was Rebecca Clayfish that, uh, uh, I, I'm trying to think it was called Wisconsin Right or Wisconsin uh, conservative women awards. I, I I don't re- I don't remember specifically what it was called, but he was he was like the organizer of of this group, and uh, I attended a, an awards event at one point years ago, and I believe Re- Rebecca Clayfish was honored, uh, Margaret Farrell was honored. I think there were a number of conservative women that Leah Vukmir. There were a number of conservative women that have been part of conservative politics in Wisconsin for years were honored. And it's it was really kind of a shock when Charlie Sykes, I don't know, lost his mind, I guess. 
I, I'm not sure if you, may, if you could do that, or you could even call it a relapse. I remember he even said he got, <laughs> well, I mean, he used to say how much of a liberal he was. He talked about how in, in the early 70s one time he, he ran as a liberal Democrat against uh, James Sensenbrenner in the district that uh, was uh, Janesville and that area. And he, I remember he even admitted, he said, I decided I was going to challenge him. I thought I had enough of him. And after election day, Sensenbrenner looked down and Charlie Sykes was on the bottom of his shoe. He got beat so badly. So Wow. Yeah. Well, and I, I guess I didn't realize that history of Charlie Sykes. But yeah, it's it, it was a... It was a, 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 a huge left turn, I guess, that he took at some point because my, um, I guess my association with him was this organization that he founded to honor and recognize conservative women. And it just, uh, I, you know, I'm not, I, I wish someone would take up that, uh, well, who knows, maybe it'll be me at some point will take up that, that event again and honor conservative women because we've got a lot of great Republican female legislature legislators right now and I think it would be great to have uh, you know have an awards ceremony to recognize them I go for it girl you, you you're not a, <laughs> you know I'm not I, no I, I have nothing else to do right I'm not busy at all <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly I suppose you could stay home bake cookies and serve teas oh sorry <laughs> no wrong wrong comparison with with a wrong kind of woman yeah well and i don't uh i mean i i don't eat cookies but i'd certainly give them to somebody else so they can eat them but yeah it mm. it uh i think i think it might be something that you know as i'm as i'm thinking out loud i think it might be something that we might, might want to revive so that'll be a little goal i set for myself perhaps it i don't know about in 2024 but maybe an off election year we could do something like that but uh we'll yeah. see it's 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 definitely worth uh considering and maybe it would coincide with some of these uh, uh, legislators, Republican legislators that are, you know, running in maybe a newly drawn district or a competitive district or, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Maybe that's something worth investigating and, and maybe we'll have it down in, in uh, the southern part of the state because I think that would be another good audience to have. But, well, how have you been, Tim? I've, oh, I've been pretty good. I was, it's just been busy like everyone else has. I, I did. I originally wanted to call you because of you were talking about that story about the library in Gillette, Wyoming. Oh, yeah. And I, and I was originally, I used to live out out in Wyoming when it was a good, and it's still a good conservative Republican state. Uh, but one thing I just wanted to make a point to this that I heard that I think it should be brilliant. But that when it comes to like the LGBTQ. Uh, agenda and how evil it is. I, I think I heard someone summarize it best, and that was what is happening is, is the evil of the world is finding a way to enslave human beings under the banner of human rights. And, and that, I think, is what's occurring with all this. Gosh, yeah. I mean, that's a good... Uh, you know, frankly, Tim, I was surprised that... Um, well, I guess, you know, I, I'm not even sure of the um, where this story, you know, where this, well, I guess we can, we all know where the mentality came from, but where this story originated, because it's interesting that a story that's out of Wyoming would be used to try to manipulate people into believing that it's happening here in Wisconsin. Because if you don't read past the headline and realize that this isn't what's happening in Wisconsin or even in this central Wisconsin community. It's a story about something that happened in Wyoming, which I think is is uh, deliberate and deceptive on the part of uh, the publication. Oh, oh, absolutely. That's 
Well, that's one of the reasons why I got out of the media business 30 years ago is because it was starting. they were starting to plant the seeds then where you write a story based on a narrative where you interpret the facts to support a conclusion to try to get the public to think in a certain way, and I just couldn't live with myself for doing that. Well, and, and you know, I think also, I mean, to, to make a suggestion, and, you know, I know that I'm, I'm just looking again at this article, and, I mean, there is a a bill that is being circulated by uh, the state senator Andre Jacques and state rep Scott Allen, and it does say it would allow educators to be prosecuted for giving obscene materials to minors. And, you know, rather than, I mean, let's face it, rather than committing the criminal act of giving uh, obscene materials to minors, it would give these educators, in quotes, pause to think, okay, well, maybe maybe this isn't appropriate. Maybe this isn't age appropriate for my students, or maybe this isn't appropriate to have in a, in a, in a classroom. And rather than, I mean, the, the suggestion, which is sort of absurd, that uh, they're going to arrest librarians for the content in the libraries. I mean, as if that would ever happen anyway. And I mean, that's the whole thing about hysteria news is that that's, that's kind of the objective of those on the left is they want to scare people into believing that something is going to happen that would never happen. Yeah, well, it, unfortunately, it's that it's the times we live in in terms of where you get if you get people emotionally, you, you know as well as I do, they're easier to manipulate, oh, they're yeah. easier to maneuver, they're easier to control their actions to do what you want. And and when calmer heads prevail and people actually think rather than do things based on their feet, then they realize what what am I tr- doing here? Well, and and again, I mean the the point of uh, the objective of those here in our community in in Marathon County in particular uh, concerned citizens that appealed to the library board to just have some sort of warning sticker on books. I mean they would hear nothing of it. They wouldn't even they wouldn't even consider ha- putting a warning sticker on a book in order to. Uh, in order to at least alert parents when checking out these books. And, you know, mm-hmm. I know, I mean, I know, I don't know if you're, you, you were, or uh, well, I guess if you are a parent, you're always a parent. But, I mean, sometimes, uh, sometimes you, you get distracted, a parent gets distracted and they maybe aren't paying as close of attention to uh, whatever their children are whatever they're, they're consuming, whether it's a, a book or a video game or whatever. But mm-hmm. to have a prominent warning sticker on would be a good way to communicate to people to be paying attention to that, to parents to look for that. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that there's anything wrong with having a more informed or at least a, a more alert uh, citizenry. And I think that's, that's I guess, where we d- uh, differ so much from those on the left. I I couldn't agree with you more. And just simply being able to make parents aware, and then they have the option if they think it's okay for their kid, fine. If they don't think they want to, they have that that t- power too. But and so at, so the idea of just having a warning label, like the you know, I guess what we need on the conservative side is our own version of a Tipper Gore or someone who has enough influence to persuade people to allow that, like she did back in the 80s when it came to music and when those lyrics kept getting more and more profane. Oh, I agree. 
Well, Tim, hey, nice to hear from you. Thank you so much for calling in. I hope you have a wonderful day. And, I uh, hope you do, too, as well. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Yeah, enjoy the wonderful weather. I will until Wednesday when it gets cold again. Yeah, it's just the strangest winter we have. I think there's a 40-degree shift between, um, I don't know, between Wednesday and Thursday or Tuesday and Wednesday. I saw I saw the forecast, and that's Wisconsin for you. Mm-hmm, exactly. Minnesota's not too different that way. <laughs> Right. Well, thanks again for calling in. Take care. No problem. You Have too, a great day. Thanks. You too. Okay. So I got a boogie. Uh, I will be uh, actually off tomorrow, but we'll return on Wednesday. And uh, you know what? I'll just give you a heads up. I might talk about it a little bit more on Thursday, but uh, your friend Meg is going to be having a tonsillectomy coming up on Friday and not looking forward to it at all, but I'm hoping that it will provide some relief for me that I have been kind of limping along or soldiering on for quite a few months and uh, hoping that uh, uh, we can get this problem resolved with my throat once and for all. So just a little heads up, I'll be uh, resting my voice for a couple weeks after, uh, well, starting March 1st. So stay tuned. Uh, I will be back on a Wednesday and, uh, and then uh, again on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great day. God bless. Talk with you again on Wednesday.